0: living here you're still feeling the effects of it like through work and business and like and uh even just where you live and what you're uh, the way you're treated in school for example you know mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's it's, it's more ins- it's more insidious and underlying than just racist people who are nice to your face you know Absolutely. it's like they don't yeah they, they probably don't have any they don't think about it because They're not particularly racist, but like their world doesn't need to be rocked because it seems that everything's fine, basically, when really there are a lot of issues, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a bit like that. Indeed. But but I know what you're saying, man.
1: Indeed. Well, folks, thank you for joining us. You caught the tail end of what Mr. Gigi Craig was telling us, pro soccer player, uh, theorist of all kinds, psychology degree, (laughs) Uh, a musician, son of musician, Italian, Jamaican. I'll let Paco introduce himself. Welcome to In Defense of Humanity, season four. We're deconstructing what economy is, socio-political dynamics. Paco, Gigi, Craig, please take it away.
0: Well, good evening. Thank you very much for having me, Khalid Astari. I am Paco Craig, born and raised in London. I'm a big lover, I'm big on love, I use the one word you missed out when you're describing mm. me <laughs> but um and a big frequency guy which is hence the music side of things but in life and um, yeah, i'm yeah i'm i'm it's an honor to be here and i can't wait to get into some chats with you
1: excellent thank you for being here mm. so we we had already started talking about this before we decided to start recording and it's the passive racism or sort of you know institutionalized systemic racism versus active racism what i call the authentic racist um, okay which is in and it of itself inauthentic because it's allowing <laughs> your ways of thought to control you. it's not critically thinking you know yeah. you, you yeah, allow yeah, 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 yeah. Your, your your biases to be amplified by the people you hang out with and by the the type of media you consume so you go like hey I know I dislike these people and these are the reasons why I dislike them. So it appears that you're an authentic racist. You'll call me the N-word to my face. You'll kill me even. But this is inauthentic in itself because it is against what it means to be to be human because you are just an ideologue. You're not even a real person anymore because you're unwilling to critically think.
0: I mean, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I would even go even further than just amplify and you use the word to amplify but i think it, it explains the whole thing i mean you know, obviously no baby is born racist inherently mm-hmm. they have no idea of it so in in a way in a really twisted and weird way you can almost feel sorry for racist people if that yeah. makes sense because they had no real they didn't even they didn't have a chance like that's the that's how they were conditioned basically
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because like I think the brown-eyed, blue-eyed experiment, which a lot of people have heard about, you know, there are inherent biases whenever we're born, you know, at at about three to six months old. We know what we look like because we see it in our parents. So evolutionarily speaking, you will have a bias for people who look similar to you because they're probably in a similar group, not for cultural reasons, but logically thinking, avoiding pathogens
0: if you're yeah like evolutionary group. even what's that could be like evolutionary as well. you know you just like obviously naturally you would want to stay close to the people you kind of mm-hmm. um, see yourself in
1: you know just for safety yeah you know, similar genetics you can rest assured that someone in your group probably doesn't have a disease that you wouldn't be immune against but if you mm. see someone who looks drastically opposed to you initially the bias is is established oh they might have something that i'm unfamiliar with they look different they speak differently but then you know cultures start to perpetuate that not only do they look different can't you remember a hundred years ago whenever people who look like them came over and then half of us died out that's because they're nasty they're inherently that's a part of their being and then it keeps moving along
0: yeah, I mean that, that makes sense pretty extreme stuff though. Pretty heavy stuff
1: indeed. So let' let's because let's, this season is about we, we say economy, but realistically, mercantilism and capitalism because that's what we deal with on an, a daily basis. Right um, So take us through your career, right? because we, we live in capitalist societies regardless of what we call ourselves, the basis of both of our countries are capitalists. You have far more socially progressive statutes for human dignity, uh, healthcare.
0: What in England?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's not hard, though, is it? <laughs> you'd have to it's be really like not, some bit of some, it. Yeah, you'd have to be some really oppressed country <laughs> to be worse than America. Um, but yeah yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't I wouldn't blow England's trumpet too loudly you know we're 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 following closely behind you and then always copying you from a distance, you know what I mean, in mm-hmm. our own british way, so so um but like what do you mean talk you from my career in what sense like so like
1: take us, take us, so we went to uh university together, yeah, with, uh, Khalid and myself yeah, yeah, and then after that. Take us, take us through so that the audience the audience already knows who you are, if they're true fans, because they would have listened to season one.
0: Yeah, yeah, true fans, yeah. <laughs> yeah but... We should have had way more chats that night, man. We should have done one every night, because I always enjoy talking with you, but I mean, in terms of just career-wise, like, I don't know, you're playing, you get, I have an opportunity to play football as a living and, and you think, especially if you want to try and relate to the economy and stuff, like, it's quite a rare position whereas most people are just the, like a productive unit to like the machine, you know, you're just a, a measurement of, of just how productive you are whereas I get to like play a sport to, and entertain people for my being productive to society so, and the economy. So like, obviously it's an attractive prospect. So uh, after I graduated, I tried, I tried with teams in, in America and as weird as it sounds, like uh, my talent was far greater than, than, the, than the level I was trialing out for. I should have played football a long time ago. Got, coming to university kind of delayed that a bit and took a sidestep because I could have probably tried to keep playing when I was 19. So I was always ready to play and I always kind of figured out I wanted to do it. But, but um, I just, going to America, like took the long path to it. So I'm going to these trials thinking, obviously, if I can't play football, I will. And uh, got about five or six no's from teams because they weren't the right fit. And, um, and you have to get used to those. Like, like just like any other life, you know, like I guess if you're going for castings as an actor or, or anything, or just a really competitive job offer, you just, I kept getting turned down, turned down, turned down, but it doesn't really bother me because I knew where my talents were. Like I knew how good I was. So I didn't really let these no's define me too much. And then eventually I signed with that team in Louisville in the second uh, division of professional football in America. And was very lucky because I joined a team that was ready made to succeed. Like they had a very, very strong culture, very together. So like everyone was on board with the same ideals. We even had a very clear and strict set of guidelines and expectations in terms of behavior. So you could be yourself and express yourself as much as you wanted, as long as you still showed these 10 commandments. For, for example, like give your most every day put the team first, you know, like, and, uh, and then we won't have any qualms. Um, and so, yeah, it went really well there. But I was always playing down a bit to the standard. Like, there was always a higher level for me. Um, but nevertheless, I was very successful with the team. And we won quite a lot of trophies. and I won quite a lot of personal accolades. And so I decided to come back to Europe to see if I could play in this competitive market because I wasn't really making the millions that footballers do make so I figured if I could do make the same money but in Europe then it'd be another opportunity to live somewhere else and also I miss my family a lot so I wanted to just be closer to them so last basically this time last year last November I came home and, uh, and obviously things were going well until everything shut down and um, I've just been keeping myself in shape and training and looking after myself until an opportunity does arise. It's, it's looking more and more like I might have to come back to America though because it's extremely competitive. I'm not hearing anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I hope that kind of paints some sort of picture of my story. <laughs> it does.
1: It does. And that's exactly yeah. the the way you told your story. Perfectly brought it to my uh, initial question. Unless Thank you, God. You have a question?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Nothing, nothing, nothing comes to mind. Um, that
0: was a pretty concise telling. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can tell I've rehearsed it. You know, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> spitting it. Out. I'm just spitting it out again. I'm like, yep, this is where I'm at right now, <laughs> and I'm very aware. A lot of people probably have it a lot worse, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Khalid, like, I'm very lucky to still be in the position I am. Indeed. So you say,
1: um, you don't say this happened. I, I visited you a few times. Uh, yeah, that was nice one. Um, but. So you got your professional, you are a professional soccer player. You were playing for uh, the team in Louisville, yeah. the city team. And you were getting paid as well as, was it free accommodation or lowered price?
0: No. So in that league, because you don't get paid that much, considered you're a professional athlete, they do cover housing. Okay. And if they don't cover your housing, you can be entitled to stipend, which is basically like a monthly allowance, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. just made for housing so yeah i was i was quite i was in a very comfortable position definitely
1: okay so so there therein lies my question right deconstructing the capitalist system right um footballers uh football players not footballers but football players in america get paid a lot because it's a sport that gets commercialized the most they can make more money yeah the coaches don't make a lot compared to the players and then people are like, players make 120. what are they complaining about? Um, mm. But it's like the team owner like commercializes everything, advertises, <clears throat> sponsors out the wazoo. They're making probably just under a billion dollars for some of the biggest teams and they're doing this and then they're paying the team considerably. But whenever you do a comparison, it's like, well, the team is a human commodity. So they're covering mm-hmm. um, at lower levels and Canadian football. They're covering uh, housing. They're paying them um, in addition, probably a stipend health care. Yeah, health care. So they're mm-hmm. indeed. So you're doing this all for them. And people are like, oh, you have it good. But then you think, well, you're a human capital. You're playing a sport which the the team owner might actually love the sport. I'm not saying that they don't, but you are the commodity. And whenever you uh, start to cost more than you, you bring in and that's whenever you start negotiating or whenever you're doing better than what you're getting paid. And then you now have the buying power to purchase
0: yourself out or to sell yourself out to another. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. That's how it goes. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's in football, though in soccer, um, it's still it's America. is such an American thing. America has its own way of of, of uh, mo- the way it models its business model. Sorry, around sports um, because teams in England, and this is probably speaks to like the history of where it came from. There's teams in England that are over 200 years old, for example. Mm-hmm. Like football teams that have played here in this place for this community for over 200 years, if you can imagine. And so in, it's, it started in the last 30 years or so, but soccer in, in England, especially, the club, if you owned a club, it was never about turning profit. It was actually never about that. It was like if your team was doing well, you probably weren't actually profiting that year. You were just enjoying it and having a massively great time, bringing in trophies, which does bring in money. But and also selling tickets, which obviously brings in money. Like you're bringing in lots of money, but if you're successful, you lose money essentially because you're pumping it all back into the, the product, which is the players, and you're making sure they have everything they need, regardless of spending of of costs. And then they go out and they play the best, you know, or you pay them the most, and they put and because they're the best players. But when I come to America, it's so clearly about that all the time. Every decision that's made from the ownership is. Will this actually make us more money at the end of the day? And it's never once, you have to fight, you have to like fight and scrape with them for every little thing that will help us players, which they think is like, that's a bit extra. Do you really need to go see like a special stretch therapist or something? Or like, do you need these, these really expensive modes of recovery for your body? And we're like, well, yeah, if you pump that into us, which you might lose money at the end of the year, we will be better, we will play better, we're ready to go, we're healed up, so, like, you'll see us win, you know? So that's something I found really interesting growing up, well, I say growing up, playing my professional sports in America is American football, basketball, baseball, they're all, like, built the same. It's like the ownership, and even the idea of no promotion relegation um, is, like, in itself, it speaks to the ownership, owning the league and being like, this is just our club that we get to have fun with and make sure we, like, make money out of. Whereas if there was promotion relegation, like your like fans, the, the, the whole energy around it is so more exciting because it's like, it's risky. Like you have to earn the right to play somewhere, but it's risky for the ownership because then if they get relegated, they're in some shit league where you're getting less money, less TV um, and you've lost money on your investment. But like, so you can see how, how they can, they, they dominate that. Yeah, man. um. Yeah, sorry, I just kind of went on that as well. That's that's always been a massive uh, observation of mine. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, thinking about like a statement, um, I've always kind of maintained this idea that uh, especially like American sports, uh, professional sports, or whatever, um, definitely feels reminiscent of slavery. In
0: a yeah. Sense. yeah, we because can, yeah, absolutely.
2: You are a commodity. You know? yeah. as, soon, as soon as you're no longer able to perform, you're gone and you know, yeah. your your cushy lifestyle being able to get put up and have these benefits you know those are all dependent on your ability to perform and if you can no longer perform you're gone and yeah. with mm-hmm. that goes your quality of life you know and so
0: you can imagine uh, some expensive taste gets built up as well during the time bro you're eating out. <laughs> you know you're spending on your girls like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mad bro but sorry i can't crush you keep going man.
2: no no you're good you're good um and I think that's all like, like everybody dreams of going to like pro, right? That's, that is, that is, that's like the dream, uh, mm. because the lifestyle that comes with it, and that is so deeply rooted in capitalism, right? You can love the sport, you can love the game, but you know, for a lot of people, the biggest thing of loving the sport, the thing that you're doing is that quality of life change, right? You get, mm. that, you get that big shift. And so, you know, it's capitalism... Making you feel like you have more value than you actually do within the system? Because at the end of the day, the people that are really uh, making the money are the team owners, are those stakeholders, right? So, no, you yep. are nothing more than a commodity, especially within uh, American style sports.
0: I agree massively, man. In fact, obviously, my team was in Louisville, which is horse country. And I got friends, I got to be in friends with a lot, with a, with a horse trainer, an actual uh, racehorse trainer. So, the ones that would sprint. And I'm looking at these magnificent, like creatures, these race, these thoroughbreds that are going to race in the Derby and things like that. And I'm like, i and I've got to go. I got to kind of go behind the scenes and see how they were treated. And in my head, I'm like, man, like, I feel like a racehorse, you know? Like, like, these things are whipped and pushed and like drugged up and like told to go out there. And the ones who win win big, you know. But then it's like a few years time, and then oh, he breaks a leg up. Uh, Sorry, like, you're lame now. You ain't good. The, the mm-hmm. best ones, the top, mm-hmm. top ones, they obviously get that golden ticket where they're just fertilizing women for the rest of their lives for yeah, yeah, big paychecks. <laughs> mm. but, um, but the rest of them, man, they, they just get discarded once they've used them up. And, and it is very much like that. It is. It's like, I have, there's even, there's the, you could even negotiate things like a car. You can negotiate everything in, in a contract. I've been able to, I might be coming back to America now because it hasn't worked in Europe. And uh, I'm trying to pull the pants down of the ownership because I've had a few years of negotiating and I've, represent, I've always represented myself in negotiations. And it's taken me like three or four negotiations each time growing in confidence to understand that no matter what happens, you will always be short sold when you're sitting down with, with the ownership and, the contra- and talking contracts. They will always still try and get a deal out of you. Mm-hmm. I put, mm-hmm. I put three, four good years into Louisville City. We've lifted trophies. We've had like we've we've broken records in our achievements. And then, and then when it comes to the end of the year, you're still sitting there saying, "No, nah, this isn't good enough." Like, I'm gonna need this, 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 and this. You know, like throw a car in there maybe. And then even even if you manage to to get through that and get some bits that you want, they've still come out on top. They complain. Yeah. They talk about budget this, budget that. But you always—they will, always, will always make sure to turn a profit somehow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you are never really inconvened. They make you feel like shit too. You know, mm-hmm. it's terrible, man. So yeah, so that's that is an interesting side to that lifestyle. I mean, unless you're Michael Jordan or something, because I mean, you saw—you saw in that documentary, Scotty Pippen—he oh, yeah, got yeah. done. He got done. You know what I mean? Seven mm-hmm. years locked in, like minimum. They're, like obviously, it was nice for any normal person, but in relation to him and where he was. He just got you got done in, and that happens all the time. Every time you sit down with them, it, mm-hmm. they don't give a shit about you or or how much you think you deserve. You know,
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. for for the audience who's listening, save the last dance, brilliant documentary. Everyone should yeah. watch it. It's a yeah, little bit,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, I have got my own opinions about that, man. I mean, Jordan obviously had his hands all over it to make sure it was ridiculous. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and he's he's I mean, he is a legend. He is a god. Go on, go on, sir.
1: Yeah, but like Scottie Pippen. I, I would say, you know, comparatively, Scotty Pippin put in, you know, Michael Jordan always says hard work beats talent, hardly working any day. I would say Scotty Pippen was always out there on the court. People would be out, Scotty would be in there at like 4 30 a.m. putting in the time in order to be at that caliber, right? Yeah. He had natural talent. Everyone in the NBA at least has some what we would consider natural talent, whether yeah, yeah. tall it's or fast, athletic, but that that'll get you to the D League. That doesn't get you to the starting lineup of the Bulls. You know, you yeah. gotta put in that time. Some Absolutely. people might have easier time getting there, but Scottie Pippen was like, "Hey, just because I got here doesn't mean I'm secure. I'm not Mike. I I am never secure. I could I could break my ankle tomorrow, and I could have scored 80 points in one game, and they will take me off next
0: season." Yeah. Yeah, you saw how they did him with that with that contract, man. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And when you do realize, it's 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 a bit of a mess, Calib. You put you raise a good point because it messaged your head a bit because there might be times when you are injured, for example, and your con and it's your last year in your contract. And in in you're panicking, man. You're 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 desperate. You're like, Shh, like I just need to secure like some kind of mm-hmm. guarantee for the next couple of years, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so at that point, you know, you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't such a I, you know, it wasn't such a like a a beautiful dream to become an elite athlete. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things around it. Also, even like the media, you know, how you have to present yourself to the public. That's been a really interesting thing for me because you always have to do appearances and show up and talk to fans. And you even if you're having a bad day or something, and like I'm I'm very sociable, but I'm quite introverted. Like I don't care to go out and and like just start talking to people. And if you're having a bad day, you can't be moody you know because that's going to reflect negatively for the fans and the team then the team's gonna have a bad image and if the team has a bad image then they don't make no money so you can't be going around there being a you gotta just put a smile on and just be pretend to be happy all the time and so excited to meet these creeps who have like loads of loads of crazy signed pictures of you in their basement and they're just like hoarding for the rest of their lives and you're like <laughs> what's going you're like should i be really excited to see you or should i be worried you know you're like Yeah, but nope. You just gotta smile and and, and, you know be super nice, or else team loses money. (laughs) Definitely. I think maintain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely, man.
2: God, God, God forbid you let um, you let police brutality get to you.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Decide to take a knee on the
0: field, and then everybody uh, has a fit. Bro, it's just yeah, exactly, and yeah. I mean, I, I mean, as an athlete that is like bare minimum of what someone could do. That is like a humble gesture. That's not, you're not, you're not shattering or breaking any, any establishment. You're not like bringing down any, you know, you're not ending world credit or something, you know, you're not burning the banks down. Mm-hmm. You're just making a statement and yet you get punished like that. It's just, that, yeah, I guess that's a great point, man. That shows you what it's like.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, as we're discussing capitalism
0: and uh, gladly bro you it's know. america's fault you know well it's not america's so obviously historically it, it's, a, it's, it's just come fault. from yeah it's come from from time and time ago but this this you know the last 60 70 years or so it's mm-hmm. america that i would point the finger at personally yeah. with this capitalism you know
1: it'd be it'd be
0: nice if
1: we had a little bit more of a social democracy you know if a pandemic swoops by everyone's guaranteed a stipend but as we're not and in defense of humanity is not a 501c3 that is tax-exempt yet mm. we do have to go to an ad break to help
0: pay for my internet wow. bill you got ad breaks
1: we do have ad breaks
0: oh no <laughs> <A story. laughs> That's so what' ad breaks what, who did you go for? <laughs> what ads we uh, well,
1: the people will find out right now. Welcome back from our ad break. I hope everything was wonderful. I you know, if you buy something if you don't, you're just contributing to the capitalist machine regardless. Yeah, even time, if
0: you don't buy anything.
1: <laughs> you know, you support in defense of humanity, so at least we can survive.
0: We appreciate that,
1: guys. We do. So let's let's get back into it. Khalid, Gigi, you guys were talking about some some good things. Why don't you give us a brief rundown of what you guys were hitting on so that the audience
0: can sort of listen in? Um I think. One of the earlier points, we, we we hit quite a bit there, to be honest, but one of the earlier things was that I wouldn't mind talking back on again because it kind of pertains a bit more to what we're talking about, is um, the ability to, especially, I recognise this in my line of work, but the ability to, like, um, uh, to make docile. I like this word, docile, so I'm just going to fit it in. Mm. <laughs> but to make docile a, a, a large enough portion of the society through this like idea that capitalist capitally speaking, like they kind of succeed and you know they have the right things. So like I, for example, playing, doing what I do, I had a house, I was able to maybe get help getting a car. I was living in a decent area with it with a pool, you know, with other young professionals. And then also throughout the city, I was able to like use my my prestige, so to, so to so to call it, uh to get myself at events without buying a ticket or Mm-hmm. at restaurants and like get to know this sh- kind of buddy up with the chefs and other interesting characters in the city so um Ooh. so people who are sort of floating in that in that area like like we were saying before in like matrix uh reference like mm-hmm. you kind of you become really comfortable with it all that you don't want to like rock the boat you know the boat is very comfortable and, and and moving along at a good speed and everything's going well so so you become very desensitized to anything mm-hmm. that would that would ruin that experience if that makes sense
1: yeah so so whenever as soon i was thinking you started speaking and i i started thinking oh this this is this is going to be good then you said the word docile and immediately mm. it clicked to me i was like our previous time that we had you on In Defense of humanity what was it two years ago
0: well i use that same word
1: <laughs> no no you didn't use the word docile but we were talking about anxiety And then you said uh, we have to be docile in order to be complicit with the system capitalism. And I was like, anxiety, being neurotypical, you know, uh, Khalid and I, we've referenced probably dozens of times the autism spectrum and Mm -hmm. uh, how in capitalist societies, you don't actually use gradation on the spectrum. You say either high functioning or low functioning. Can you work by yourself without any assistance or are you going to be more of a burden at the workplace and not make as big of a profit? Thus, we won't hire you. Are you high functioning or do we not hire you? Basically. So I'm thinking like docile and even anxiety, right? None of these are inherently bad things, but in a society that um, trades not only in currency, but in human capital, the, the person's ability to not be normal but to pretend that they're normal and to do what is asked of them without much variance
0: is highly desired. Yeah. That just sounds scary. Though, doesn't it? It does. You can see, I'm sure you guys mentioned this, but you can see how you you start, yeah. You, you see how the labels like ADD and, and like you say, anxiety and all of these um, psychological uh dispositions can become extremely negatively labeled and taboo even when really I'm sure you've seen other people describe like when you have mental health problems typically the the reasons are right there like it's not it's not like a really it's not a curse that you have it's like you kind of found yourself in a a massively discorded situation that doesn't like line up with who you feel you are you know you and uh and that can be like you say a result of interacting and trying to succeed in this world that we've 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 kind of created for ourselves so um yeah so yeah basically if you're not like you said if you're not complicit and docile then there's something wrong with you so let's just call them schizophrenic when really like Mm -hmm. they just Mm -hmm. don't they just don't want to partake in this bullshit oh yeah which
2: yeah you are what you you can contribute you are nothing more than a dollar sign uh, a number if you will (laughs)
0: and, <laughs> that uh, sounds so horrible man that's it is what it is, it um,
2: is and because Wait. of how capitalism is so central to you know western cultures right um, um, because of that you see like as of recently right we've seen an uptick in um, like red scare type propaganda right looking at our election cycle the quickest word that um conservatives will throw out is they're uh they're socialists
0: social
2: socialism programs and all these all these different things right painting these things as as negative you know and you paint it as negative because they are directly oppositional to capitalism
1: Mm -hmm. but straight up what i also want to say i listened to a brilliant talk with um who was it with tristan He's from, I believe, the New York Times. He was on another podcast, Armchair Expert, with Dak Shepard. And he said uh, people on the left will often say, how dare they uh, use these terms that we find, you know, like that's honorable to be more socialist. That's not a bad term. Why would they even use that against us negatively? They're a bunch of fascists. And we don't realize that we are um, calling them out for doing the same exact thing that we're doing, the yeah. same exact thing. Yeah, I was. I, think,
2: right. I can. I can see that. But so, like, when you look at your when you look at the average conservative, right? Uh, and I'm not mincing my words here. Most of them cannot define what socialism or communism actually is.
1: Oh, right? <laughs> I ask you, can most liberals, right, which are the people who are predominantly called the left? define exactly what fascism communism and socialism are i guarantee it is a smaller percentage as an average conservative
2: i'll I'll say straight up liberals uh don't like socialism or communism either because when you look at the when you look at liberalism in america it's uh it's communism and it's capitalism but uh you know capitalism but we're progressive on certain things
0: yeah like but that's that's just like performative you know it's like, and I'm going to be a bit harsh about this too, but it's like uh, um, the, the vice president to Joe Biden, sorry, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, okay, so the left is doing these cool things. Like, I say the left anyway, the Democrats are doing these cool things by having a, a black lady, which is huge as a vice president. It's massive. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be politics as usual. Mm-hmm. There's no shit that's going to change. So, but to go back to your your earlier point as three i i probably couldn't clearly define those three ideas, those three ways of uh, of living like communism fascism i can sum them up in my own ways which I probably wouldn't do them justice but um but the mere idea that it has to be left or right like you said alone is so limiting it's it, it, mm-hmm. it's like you you're either in this camp and this is what you're about and and you're fighting those people it's limiting and it locks you into this this feud, this idea that it's us versus them. And anytime yes. you're locked into a us versus them, you're being distracted and you, you're being played. Ab- <laughs> you know if, what I mean? Um, I'm sorry, go ahead and, and that was basically all I what I wanted to throw in there. <laughs> I, so
1: so Khalid, Khalid, I'm gonna call you out. We've had to have this conversation yeah. multiple times. I'm like, it's not us versus them. You 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 say you have to choose a side. I say that there is Um, grounds right people on the left will often say protect our public lands you know fracking is bad we hate people who do fracking and then it's like cool we won't do fracking we'll protect the public lands we'll just increase our international wars because that is the only way that we will sustain our current model of existence no we'll do away with natural gas as well well I hate to tell you, but these things cannot happen in a week. Not Mm -hmm. a long shot, not at all. So whenever we say we hate fracking, I understand. I hate fracking as well. But saying, you have a choice. No fracking, no gasoline. We're not destroying our public lands. The irony, of course, is our public lands are not our lands. They are stolen lands. (laughs) That's the irony of the liberal slash leftist thought. We gotta protect hey. the the, the hey, hey, department hey. of natural resources, you know.
2: <laughs> hey, 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 as you as you try to air me out, um, one I recognize that a lot of policies, you know, a lot of things that would kind of foster an us versus them kind of mentality. Yeah, of is, uh, I recognize. Uh, darn near nothing changes overnight. Uh, yeah. Ideally, I mean, you know, you could hope for change as quickly as change could come, but you know, you want that change to be efficient. Um, but when I talk about uh, us versus them, right, this is fostered, and my argument is generally geared towards bigotry. Um,
1: That's easy, yes.
2: And so within a within a system that has criminalized um, being a person of color or a minority, right, uh, it does feel like us versus them. Them being the the bigots, the controlling. The controlling um, bigoted group right because that's the group that hates you uh, is directly oppositional to you and it does become a bit harder to try to uh, find a middle ground because why would I want to find middle ground with somebody that wants to
0: see me dead Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right that's a that's a very good point I think the issue is it's like And again, I could. This is just my take on it as well. But you have to try your best to not even acknowledge that side of things. Of of knowing that there's people out there who want to do you harm. You know that that Mm -hmm. must be a horrible feeling. That must that must feel terrible. I can honestly say that I haven't had quite that experience growing up the way I grew up. So I can't speak to how that feels. But um, but like the people who really do influence law and change legislations and, and shape the way that the future is created it's it's my personal belief that they're not even particularly racist people they just see the benefit of keeping that sort of system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in play to split us and divide us and, and keep us uh, uh easier to um, to influence basically yeah so like so i i don't know how you could I don't even So basically, my, my way of looking at it wouldn't even be to try and find common ground. It would to just totally disregard um, any sort of idea that I'm against anyone. Like, I try and ideally lead from love and know mm-hmm. that the person next to me probably wants the same thing I do. It's just the, the direction they're coming from is so, so way away from anything that I could relate to, you know?
2: I always Indeed. think, you know, like race and, race and class go hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, It's hard to address racism without addressing uh, class and classism, right? And so you look at the common factor between poor Blacks and poor whites, right? There's a lot of similarities, a lot of intersection there. But because the racism that has been fostered, um, you know, that has let people believe that they're better than another group, uh, it's harder to see what connects us. And mm-hmm. it makes it easier for us to fight against each other. And, um, you know, it keeps us from observing the fact that there are inequalities that face us all kind of equally
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: because there are still things that make us unequal. And so you can focus on why you hate your neighbor because of how they look or how, how they identify, right? When, the end of the day, you and your neighbor are facing uh, uh, class issues, right? You, you both are poor or you both are not getting what you would like out of capitalism and you know you're still struggling to get from check to check but mm-hmm. we can't deal over the fact that we hate each other because you're black i'm white or you're trans and i'm cis right all these different things uh and so it does become harder to find things that unify us and mm-hmm. uh, i think it's going to be an issue of like relearning uh and you know doing anti-racist work and doing um, doing work that makes us more progressive, but you know, progressive is like a bad word here. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you make that's a fair point, man. It's it's, it's, it's definitely a massive task. <laughs> it seems huge. Yeah, but what do you think, story
1: You know, I've been I've been thinking specifically about russia like you know russia obviously intervened with facebook to uh target ads towards uh people on the right and hmm. then people always say oh well russia influenced the vote but the thing is uh you know like these agents who did this these these cyber warriors what have you because we have the same thing edward Snowden was our version of late KGB agents, right? We, yeah. it's it's not like we didn't do similar stuff, and still do similar stuff. Like people who who think that we're somehow holier than our are, are just idiots. But um, Russia also, um, among other uh, states in this cyber terrorism, so to speak, influenced people on the left. They would go into groups. And they would incite people to say, hey, hey, look at what the conservatives are doing. Look at what they're doing, you know, like uh, target ads towards them that would show like a a super, super right wing ad so that they would see it. Like I always see like Donald Trump ads and I'm like, why am I getting these? And it makes me sort of mad. I'm like, stop showing me this YouTube. And then, you know, I want to head somewhere and I I tell other people about it. Imagine seeing like you're you're super left wing seeing a like a Donald Trump ad saying that Obama wasn't even born in this country early, late 2015, early 2016, not even born in this country, blah, blah. Um, we're going to kick out all the people that do us harm. And then you're, you're left wing, maybe even a descendant of immigrants, right? Like first gen. Yeah, for sure. And then it's like, Oh, I'm heading straight to, um, a liberal Facebook group and sharing this with them. Oh, we're, we're fired up! Let's head over and now, um, you know, post it. You're conservative. You know, your 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 mom's friends typing. How dare you say negative things about our president? And now you're now you're attacking each other. Now you're, it's us versus them within the same sphere of of friendship, right? Or at least um, knowing each other. Now, you're you're less likely to focus on other things that are happening.
0: Yeah, but you see how that's been happening this year as well, you know? Oh, yeah. A lot. That's that's my personal belief. Okay, and again, no evidence, no nothing. But it's my personal belief why BLM blew up again so much that it did. Because, we were, go on.
2: We, we were at home, right? We were at home. and Yeah. Uh, it's a lot easier to kind of not be able to... Like it's it's harder to shut it out when all you can do is yeah. look at the media, right? And I think it's good that we weren't able to shut it out because, you know, we had like like BLM started in twenty eleven, right? Mm-hmm. The, the movement of BLM started in twenty eleven, and uh, after like Ferguson, or uh, it was like twenty fourteen or so, uh, you kind of saw it kind of shift out of the public consciousness, and then when the stuff uh got publicized again this summer you know it's like no we are back in the public consciousness because you have to be you can't really look at anything else because yeah that's true everything was covering it
0: but like i feel not to take away from any type of good that is done but i feel like we were all together especially in england anyway my experience in england we we're all together we we're locked up there's nothing to do there's no football and if there's no football then England's always on the brink of, of revolt you know mm-hmm. always on the brink of anarchy if there's no football on so so for me it was like let's not look too far into how the government's doing things let's not scrutinize this whole situation too closely so let's distract them with this massive uh, issue that still is as bad as it's always been and let's let's really like publicize the, the images and, and get it out there and get everyone to like go crazy over on social media because then, they can keep... It's a distraction. It's, it, defi- it puts a little wedge between... Even though, obviously, it united more people this time than I think I've ever seen. I was quite impressed with how unifying it was for a lot of people. But there was still the opposition. There were still people in, against it. So it did drive a little wedge between people for the time being. And if, like you say, when it's us fighting another cause against a, a cause that we believe is horrible, then we're, we're swept up in it and distracted by it all the while. They're kind of sneaking there, you know, they're doing their dirty deeds in the background during this year, like the, the bills that were passed here in England and the job that they're doing and everything, like not enough people are paying attention to everything all because they keep finding ways to to keep us occupied, you know? Defi- mm-hmm. Divide and rule, you know? That's kind of how I feel about it. Absolutely. I hate that. I never want to take away from people's experiences about it, though, you know, because... That's just my take, and I understand that everyone has, like, everyone has their own angle on it, and everyone's angle is pretty much is valid. You know what I'm saying? I think it,
2: I think it worked both ways, right? Exactly. I, as we were in COVID, uh, you saw more. I think, I think you saw some unity in being frustrated with the government, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like we were probably more unified than we generally have been uh, in that one thing. And the one thing that we were frustrated with the government. But then again, I can't even say that because there are people that were like, no, um, a lot of our, well, I know people, I know, I know Americans that were like, Trump handled it fine. Trump yeah. handled our COVID crisis perfectly fine, as good as yeah. he possibly could have. Um, so I guess I, I guess I was being generous initially. Um, but with the kind of uptick in publicity for police brutality, right, um, it definitely, especially going into, like, election season, it definitely gave, it reinforced sides, right?
0: Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying, yeah.
2: It reinforced the progressive side being the side on, like, the side of Antifa, the side of BLM, you know, all this stuff, and the conservative side was the side of we back the blue, you know, and those became political points. Yeah. Human rights, uh, Just shouldn't be a political thing in the first place but they became reinforced political points to further divide us right uh as you said divide and rule because we're already conquered through capitalism
0: Uh, yeah keep us keep us distracted keep us thinking that there's a there's another fight another frontier that we have to go fight on Mm -hmm. that's my issue with it man that's why it's too damn i mean it's very, it's, it's convenient for them, bro, and, and and you mentioned, like, it becomes political, and, like, it definitely, for example, for BLM, for sure, like, 99%, the weirdest, the weirdest part for me, it always comes in different forms, you know, it wasn't, for me, when it happened, or it wasn't, like, friends of mine, had different values to me, you know, it's obviously, for BLM, clearly, like, is any sort of educated and discerning like 20 year old or like 30 year old or whatever is is pretty switched on about just ethics and, and rights from from in my group anyway and um so the weird one for me this time was like all the all my white friends feeling super guilty that they didn't understand and couldn't relate and were like desperately trying to be like no you have the voice because I need to know what's going on with you, you know, like, or like, let me shut up for a second and understand mm. instead of being mm. like the loud voice. And that was where, regardless of if it was good or, or bad, I think it always raised its head to keep us occupied and to, to bamboozle us and to, to have this, this, a weird discordy energy that goes through the experience of it. So that like, we're almost paralyzed in a way, you know, there was a lot of par- paralysis during this time, I think. For me for my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but then, yeah, it's, it's insane to make it political. Like you said, how, how can it become a political matter? Everything got politicized this year. Like, for example, wearing masks. So, so for example, if BLM was a bit easier to, to unify, for the most part, like most of, your de- most of the decent folk were like, sort of on the same side for BLM. Things like mask wearing a mask has ruined my some of my friendships Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know with people i love and respect and trust because i personally i do it and i abide by it but i'm not for it i'm not really and it's not like i'm i'm not for the mask i think the mask itself definitely reduces uh spread of disease and it's more hygienic i agree that a mask definitely like helps stop of like you basically spitting on people you know (laughs) it covers everything up but i just i just don't like Um, how like the mask was used as a statement of I'm not on board with how the government is is dealing with this you know and in that sense that is something I've struggled with and that has driven a wedge between me and some of my friends and it's divided us and that's what they want man they want to keep dividing us man because some of my friends are like really on board with being careful and listening to the government even though the government are clearly don't have our best interests at heart and I'm a little bit more, like, rebellious and thinking, like, look, like, they're not helping us, so I'm just going to figure out the best way to help myself. And no, that is... Go on. No, go ahead. I'll let you I'll no, go. No, I mean, I'm talking a lot, but <laughs> I just wanted to mention that the... the It just blows me away how everything can get political, politi- like, become political, and, and mm-hmm. some... Like, I guess this is a sociopolitical talk, and, like, something so simple as wearing a mask or not in public... Is a massive political statement That's what blows me away
2: And it shouldn't be right So like I'm critical of All forms of government Um, I do not um, Align with any political party Uh, I do not uh, I do not you know I don't abide by Like, I don't align with capitalism Uh, None of those are like my values right Um, As far as political as far as politics goes I'm far left Um, But you know I also think, uh, you know, with the masks, um, specifically I have, um, I have my grandfather living with me and he's elderly. I live with my mom, you know, she, uh, she's at risk. Like I have family members that are at risk. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just listening to science, right. Removing the political spin from it. I'm just like, cool, uh because I have these people in my life that I care about and I care about human life, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, anybody's life, everybody's life has worth. Uh, I don't want to, you know, endanger anybody, right? Do my due diligence. Mm -hmm. Get home, Mm -hmm. Mask comes right off. Uh, It shouldn't be political, right? It's just being decent. And you said you go out there and you wear yours. Like, even if you don't agree with it particularly, it's, 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 it's doing your part. It's being a decent human being. And that's, that's kind of like where this whole Uh, That's kind of where this, like, divide becomes, right? Because it's like, well, who defines what being a decent human being is? Because you have a lot of people whose uh, definition of being decent is simply in being a Christian. It doesn't matter if if your Christianity still allows you to oppress other people or you use your Christianity Mm -hmm. um, as a talking point for, like, to validate your oppression or to validate your oppressing of other groups of people. Uh, because you're in the right, right? You can deny science because Jesus Christ wouldn't wear a mask and yeah. and wh- whatever whatever kind of BS fallacy you can throw out,
0: right? Jesus, Jesus of... Christ would have worn a mask. Jesus would never have worn a mask, bro. He would have just cured everyone instead.
1: I feel like Jesus would have worn a mask.
0: Gee, no way. Have a
1: point that everyone no, else is no, no. not Listen. able to cure anyone. No, Jesus would have
0: gone around curing everyone without wearing a mask. And but... The people who are telling you to wear a mask was the ancient Romans. It was the ones who who he was like rebelling against. The ones who strung him up on a cross were the ones telling you to wear it. Or whoever it was. Pontius Pilate would have worn a mask. Yeah,
1: yeah. Pontius Pilate would have worn a mask. However, right, Jesus still paid taxes whenever he was a carpenter. So it's like he vehemently disagreed with what the Romans stood for. However he didn't necessarily fall in line but he he said you know things along the lines of hey if it is trivial something like taxes something like wearing a mask that's not a problem whenever it starts to violate the efficacy of what it means to be human
0: then then or any life or any well li- that's a good point then man because this is what i'm saying like it's driven a wedge between me and my friends because hey they're fucking they're sneaky the way they do it like it's not as simple as wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Like Mm -hmm. wearing a mask clearly helps stop spreading of germs, you know, clearly like you can't, the the science obviously is undoubtable, Mm -hmm. but irrefutable, but it's not, it it goes so further than that to where like, now for me, I hate the way the government are rolling this thing. You, you You can see what's coming, you know, you can see what's on the horizon. Like obviously mandatory vaccine, I'm personally very not on board with the way our countries vaccine our people, you know? Like, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm anti vax where no one should ever get vaccines. I just don't like the way vaccines are conducted in the last 20 years, for example. Think, and so, go on.
2: Uh, so, like, um, I know within a lot of um, Black, like a lot of, a lot of conversations with Black people, right? There is this very real concern, um, kind of based in, uh, you know, how things have happened, right? about uh, mm-hmm. know, the Tuskegee experiments. Yep. yeah yeah like, there, there's a fear that this first uh, round of vaccinations is going to you know basically be like an experiment right It's a test run. And
0: it sounds like it from how long it of, took them to make it and how much they've tested it themselves like...
2: And you have a lot of black people that legitimately have fear because of this Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. And so I think it's a reasonable fear. Uh, yeah i know that i personally would not want to be part of the first wave of uh, yeah come on don't
0: please don't yeah
2: you know i'm once it once it's been tested and once you know it's been proven to work without uh giving people side (laughs) effects. too many yeah without too many side effects effects. yeah (laughs) i'm 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 100% down for it i just don't want to be in that first run just because so you
0: so you see my issue here is like I'm, when I'm like anti-mask, it's more like I'm anti the way the government have used this virus as a tool to come clamping down on this next new way of, of, of keeping us surveillance and watching over us and having security on us. And like and they can it's, it's, it's like it's an age old tactic that's been used from from many dominant countries to shock a society into absolute. till so they're on their knees like our economies have smashed to pieces. And so they can exploit us and get anything out or they want out from us. Like all, like workers' rights don't matter anymore. There's so many people dying, gagging for a job. And like the medical, the reasons for them to say, look, like we're going to save everyone, we're going to help everyone. It comes at a cost, you know, it's on their terms. And so whenever I'm like anti-mask, it's because I'm anti what the government are doing, you know, as a whole. But because, because, because like I'm putting my friend's, older granddad in jeopardy with the way I'm thinking, you know. I'm being very selfish, for example. Like it's easy for society to marginalize me and treat me like I'm I'm uh, I'm toxic to, to to what they're trying to do, you know? And like that's my biggest issue about it is the way that they can divide us is so smart. It's so cunning the way that the way capitalism this is what I think this is. I think this whole this whole virus is being used as a tool for capitalism um it creates it puts people like me in a situation where my friends I used to love and respect can like annex me from their group you know they can drive a wedge between us and then I'm arguing with a person about something health-wise when really um, that's, we should we want the same thing I know the people who were involved in the, like who were kind of going along with step by step like oh yeah it's okay like the government will figure things out it's like nah, man. Like pay attention to how, what they're actually doing and why and how. Like, I mean, I'm not really. I've never really put this into words, which is why I'm kind of vomiting it out. But this, the idea of of dividing us, has been used all the time and is being used right now in that sense. Like, I feel like I'm going to be annexed outside of society and sort of vilified mm-hmm. because of something so pure and simple as someone's granddad is at risk and it's my behavior puts that granddad at more risk so it's like i'm fucked i'm, I'm clearly the bad guy here you know what i mm-hmm. mean like i can't argue with that logic they're, they're smart with the way they do i i hear you and usually we like
1: to wind down in defense of humanity um but i feel like we wind it up towards the end you covered um very well what we're talking about the sort of capitalist state and how it controls its people and i would love for us to continue this conversation in defense of humanity has come to an end it'd be nice if we just had like a slow piano start to raise up i'll add that later but
0: so, so what, are we still being recorded right now yeah oh, but okay. we're cool,
1: moving cool. towards in defense of time our patreon exclusive after show if anyone would like to join us come on <laughs> there's an exclusive patreon. after show <laughs> <laughs> slash idol, idol. You just on your thing, man. Indeed. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.